The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars, episode 116. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Cialana, a.k.a. The Bendu, and you are listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. And a few episodes ago, there was discussion about fathers in Star Wars, and so I was strongly encouraged by our panel to host today's episode, where we will be taking a peer into motherhood in Star Wars. So joining the conversation today is Father Andrew Kinstetter, aka Father Fett. Hello. Hello. It's so good to be here. And on the other side of the mic as well is the Ronin Thomas, Thomas Sanherho. Hello. It's great to be here. Yeah, so it's interesting because all three of us are going to have different takes on motherhood, I think, right? Um, So, yeah. um, All right. Well, I know that the fatherhood episode was kind of run a certain way and y'all were rating things. And um, when I thought about like... this time. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought about like how to discuss mothers and... Just rating mothers just didn't really jive with me, so so we're going to take this topic um, a little bit differently here. And the first thing that I wanted to do, because I feel like something that is very central to talking about mothers is um, also talking about women, because I personally believe that every woman is called to be a mother, right? I think that's kind of the Catholic view. Um, and whether you have physical children or not. Um, so I actually do not have any physical children um, for a variety of reasons, many different kinds of reasons. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that women, um, from what I've learned from my faith, um, thankfully, is that um, women have this beautiful uh, opportunity to really look at the person, like each individual person, um, in a very special and particular way. Um, and to really hone in on who someone is and to value them in a particular way. And I thought, you know, if we're going to be talking about Star Wars, we've got to talk about George Lucas. So I decided to look up a little bit about George. Now, do y'all, I mean, are y'all at all familiar with George Lucas's kind of backstory and his relationship with his mom? Not his, Not his relationship with his mom. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know some of the other other things that led up to, to Star Wars, but no. 
I feel like this is going to be a learning experience for us too, Thomas. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, isn't it interesting that I think, I feel like a lot of times when we talk about Star Wars and George and his past, like we do kind of hit on that fatherhood piece because of, of course, Darth Vader being so like integral to the story of Star Wars, right? Mm -hmm. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and even, I mean, you could throw out all the, the father issues of characters in all parts of the saga. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is very true. And so I was like, why don't we ever talk about George and his mom? So one of the cool things that I found out right away was that George Lucas was actually born on Mother's Day. Mm. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And... um And George is actually George Walton Lucas Jr. So he was named after his dad. Um, And he was born on Mother's Day despite the desires of his mom's doctors. And I think, you know, this is really interesting when we look at his story because I feel that, you know, anytime someone has uh, something that they've created, especially when there are characters involved, they pull from what they know, right? They pull from their own experiences. And like Thomas, I know when we were creating our characters for our RPG, I was pulling from like my own experiences, like, you know, um, to create my character. So, um, so when we talk about George's parents, they actually went to the same school Um, His dad met his mom, George met Dorothy in history class. (laughs) And (laughs) and get this that I don't know if this is going to sound familiar from Star Wars, but uh, George went home and told his mother, George Sr., went home and told his mother that he was going to marry the girl that he met in history class. (laughs) And he didn't know her name. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I, yep, I did, that sounds like a familiar moment in my life actually <laughs> so they did get married um, George was 20 and Dorothy was 18 and they almost right away had two girls and then Dorothy's health um, even though she was apparently a very strong willed woman um, her health declined and the family suffered two miscarriages and the doctors advised against any more children for Dorothy's health. But she ended up having George Jr. on Mother's Day. And of course they named him George. So um, it wasn't long after that they had another girl. And by this point, um, Dorothy was so unwell that she was often being hospitalized for long periods of time. And so she was actually not able to raise the kids Um, The Lucas kids were raised by their housekeeper, and they speak very, very fondly of her and what I've read of George's biographical info. Um, So I think, you know, most of us know that um, George Lucas's, George Lucas Jr.'s recollection of his father was that he thought that his son would never amount to anything. Um, and he's actually George Lucas Jr., the creator of Star Wars, is quoted as saying, mothers never write their sons off. So that was his impression of his mom, hmm. was this woman who was very strong-willed, but very fragile. And she was not very 
um, not able to be with her children, but she believed in them. Um, so does anything come wild. to mind as you're, you know, you're Jeez. hearing all that? I just remember when, when I mentioned what the topic of this episode was going to be to my kids, they all said, all the moms are dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I, yeah, for the most part, that's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there any thoughts? I mean, the, the, the mom that comes to mind, actually, um, I don't know if this is what you were thinking of Angela, but Shmi Skywalker, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. is like, I mean, as I was even thinking about mothers in Star Wars, I mean, she comes out as, as kind of one of the prime examples and I mean, yeah, she's strong. She's strong. She's, um, does, I mean, everything that she does is about Anakin, but ultimately she, she lets him go and, and isn't able to be there you know, for his adolescent years and, and isn't there, uh, you know, after he's released uh, from slavery. Um, yeah. But I also um, like, there's a fragile, fragileness to Shmi too. mm -hmm. And, and yeah, yeah. I just, I, I really appreciate what you said about, um, them seeing the, the person like moms, moms have a, a sense about them that they they see they see the wholeness of the person uh they they don't write their their kids off and i mean i i think that that's that's so true uh when i often when i preach about uh the blessed virgin mary and um because we can't not talk about mothers without talking about her too and one of the things that I like to bring up, I, I point out and I often get laughs and, and I get laughs because people relate to it. But I often say something to the effect of, you know, when I was a kid and I would I would be like riding my bike and skin my knee, who would be the person that I would go to for comfort? It was mom. <laughs> If mm-hmm. I went to dad, he'd just tell me to suck it up and deal with it. But mom, mom was the one who like, <laughs> you know, would look, would look and, and comfort me as a, as a, as a whole person and, and be that, be that wonderful, wonderful comforter, uh, that I needed. And, and, I, and I, and I, I appreciate seeing that in, well, in Shmi and, and in other mothers too, in Star Wars. Yeah. yeah and even, even Padme wasn't there. Right. right. She, she was frail enough to have have died in giving birth to the kids. And so that's yeah, you see you see a lot of the motherhood themes kind of running through that experience. Yeah. And even Leia, you know, yeah. Leia mm-hmm. doesn't raise Ben. Mm-hmm. Luke essentially raises Ben. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> From our understanding, at least. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, there's there's the, the one blood, bloodline book novel Mm -hmm. i think is is kind of where we get the most information on that but but yeah you're you're right leia's leia's in in the political world at that point and and isn't as present as as even i don't even as as much as she wants to be she's she's not there for him Yeah. yeah so i think it's really interesting that um you know i want to talk really about some of the characters that that fall under the category of both physical mom and and kind of spiritual mom but um mother figure mother figures are so important in star wars and the more that i thought about that (laughs) the more that i realized there are mostly mother figures rather than physical mothers in in star wars Mm -hmm. and you know i want to guess just based off of again the just the fact that creators do pull from what they know and their experiences, 
that um, that that has to do a lot, perhaps with with George's own experience. You know, just being raised by someone who wasn't his physical mother, um, but also thinking very highly of his own his own mom. So, yeah, I'd, and of course, you know, we have to kind of start this whole conversation too with with the caveat and the reality that a lot of people don't have like the quote unquote traditional family, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. my dad was raised by women. Um, and you know, so I have a different experience of mom and dad and he has a different experience of mom and dad. And, you know, a lot of people do, right? So like a lot of these, you know, kind of categorizations that we have and, and maybe even stereotypes in some senses, you know, like, yeah, you know, moms and dads can be very different. And, and I think they're, that's why I kind of word it as saying, like, we have the opportunity to be a mom and we have the opportunity to be a dad and we have the opportunity to act certain ways and, and have certain characteristics. And, um, and there's so many wonderful, you know, possibilities on, on the spectrum overall, but, but to kind of like get into this, this, uh, character look. Um, what I would like to do is for us to kind of look at some of these characters and and wonder um, what is it that makes them a mom in Star Wars. So, I mean, we've sort of talked about the physical moms. So let's just kind of get to that real quick because I feel yeah. like you know that's the most obvious place where we can start. Um, so yeah, Shmi, obviously. Right. Um, one of the things that I read is that George views the story of the Phantom Menace through the lens of it being about letting go, especially in Anakin having to let go of his mother. And I think probably George had to experience that at some point, too. Um, so I was kind of curious, you know, Father, like you really, really have a strong connection to the prequels. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is your sense of, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit, your sense of like how, how Shmi is sort of um, portrayed as, as a mom in the prequel. Sure. Well, actually I would take the whole um, letting go aspect that you just talked about. I would reverse it. I mean, yes, Anakin had to let go, but also Shmi had to let go. And so, so that would, that would be one, one aspect of, of her motherhood that, that I think is, is essential that she wanted, well, I mean, ultimately she wanted what was best for Anakin, no matter what. And so she recognized that this path that Anakin was on in being released from slavery, going to study, uh, to be a Jedi. And all of that was unfortunately not something that she could go along with because she wasn't able to be freed in the same way that Anakin was. And so she had to let go of her son, her. (laughs) Wow. Uh, There's some, I, I, uh, not that I'm trying to, to compare to, to um, (laughs) too closely to, to Catholic imagery, but she had to let go of her only begotten son to let him go. It's very intentional. Yeah. I mean, the virgin birth, you know, I think that's very intentional on George's part. Yep. But but I think that that's that's true for for any mom out there, and maybe maybe I relate to it in a particular way because you can you can view the the Jedi Order in a lot of ways as a as a monastery or as a seminary as as you know someone is is going to to be ordained a priest. 
And I mean, even in my own life, there was a there's a similar sort of thing happening. Now, it happened when I initially went to college, but then there was even more of a letting go when I went to to study in seminary and ultimately become a priest, because part of that, at least for for my mom, would have been letting go of the potential for grandkids with me in particular. Uh, I've got a brother who has three kids, so she's you know, she's not she's she's a grandma and she loves it. but. There are plenty of moms out there who perhaps it is their only son who has gone off to seminary and who's called to be a priest. And so even there, there's a letting go and the letting go is a suffering that the moms have to undergo, but it's a suffering for the sake of their, their son um, or daughter. You know, if, if a daughter's going to, to a religious uh, convent or vocation and, and it's beautiful because I think I think every mom out there would sacrifice everything to their entire life for their children. And so I, I think Shmi, Shmi kind of embodies that in a, in a very beautiful way. And I mean, you see that even too in episode two that, I mean, she, she moves on, but she never loses her love for Anakin. She, she marries again and, and lives and, and of course comes to her, um, her fate in episode two. but she's learned to kind of move on without him, but still, still always love him. Yeah. Um, Thomas, do you have anything else you want to add about Shmi and, and her, her motherhood? I think that was really interesting what you were saying about, um, father, how she, um, she, she was still enslaved, you know, um, Mm -hmm. And she kind of had to go on without him. I, I love with her, too. I love the gentleness with which she talks about the whole situation. So there's that moment she has with Qui-Gon where he's trying to tease out exactly what's happened. And she, with no, like, you know, no accolades for herself, nothing, nothing even about Anakin. It's not really trying to, to say Anakin's something special, but she's just telling the truth of what happened and how it happened and how it's a miracle and just has that, that generosity of spirit about her. And that really just plays through into who she is throughout the, throughout the time that we see her on screen. Yeah. That's awesome. But also like how, um, how she, talks to Anakin too. And and I and I don't mean to kind of fall into to stereotypes here, but I mean she's gentle with him as like a and I'm I'm envisioning the the scene where Anakin uh knows that he's going to leave but he doesn't want to leave his mom. And they they have that moment there where he he basically tells her I don't want to leave and he's he's crying and she kind of tells him, you know, he he has to and and mm-hmm. there's this gentleness there that that I I find to be very mother like. And and again, not to fall into stereotypes, but you know, my my dad would be a little bit more okay, buck it up. <laughs> you know, and 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 not and again, I, I dads can be very very compassionate and gentle and everything. So I definitely don't want to uh, imply, <laughs> sure. you know, the the kind of stereotypical things there because because that's not that's not true for everybody's experience. Uh, but I think there's a gentleness there that that Shmi really shows that I think is is one of my top qualities of of what I see in a mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, d- just to kind of save us from again, from this whole like 
you know, talking about stereotypes and stuff, I think, I think we can all kind of understand, you know, just as we're discussing this, that um, there's going to be patterns that we see. And, and ultimately we're talking about, you know, how they are and how mothers are portrayed in Star Wars and how motherhood is portrayed in each particular character. So definitely I can, I think that everyone would agree that, that gentleness and tenderness is part of Shmi's mm -hmm. character. Um, on the flip side, kind of um, a different sort of gentleness. Um, I have to talk about Baru Lars because, you know, mm -hmm. um, she, I don't know if she actually like bore any children. Like, I guess we don't really know that mm -hmm. for sure, do we? I don't think we know that. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I, I would assume that they would be at the at the farm. Yeah. Consecutive with the, with Luke, but they're, unless they they're died not, young so. or something or right. whatever. But um, yeah. So, but you know, she was the very first mother, sort of, in Star Wars. Um, she was Luke's mother figure. Um, so her on screen life very short once again um but but at the same time we kind of saw a lot like of motherly qualities in her mm -hmm. <laughs> just from that very short um you know i mean the blue milk scene is like so iconic in star wars <laughs> but it's very motherly it's like you know calling him like luke you know it's the maternal part of like taking care of someone and making sure that they have what they need and what they're supposed to be doing and, you know, to be healthy and be well. And, and just pouring milk is like, you know, milk is just associated with mothers for obvious reasons. Right. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's like, when you stop and think about this, it's like, wow, that's actually maybe deeper than I initially <laughs> thought. <laughs> Especially when you give the, the George Lucas family background, it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, there's a lot of uh, George Lucas family going on right there in that scene, isn't there? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, there is. Uh, I, I would throw out another um, adjective here for, for motherhood. And it's seen, I'm not sure if it's that exact scene or not, but it's when um, she's talking to, to Owen. And I, so I would say that the, the other descriptor for a mother is intercessor. And there's, mm -hmm. a, there's, a, there's a moment there mm -hmm. where... Owen is complaining about Luke always looking off to the horizon and, and everything. And she's almost the one to say, you know, well, it's, he's, he's, you know, it's, it's okay. It's, you know, this is who he is. He's got, he's, I forget exactly how that conversation goes, but it's almost like she's trying to, to get Owen to see things from Luke's perspective. You know, like right. this is, this is Luke. He's, he's got his father in him and, you know, all of that sort of thing. And so she's kind of the one to mediate between Luke and Owen in that kind of a sense. And, and, and that, and that too, I think is, is important too. Um, and, and to, to jump to, to, to Catholic theology here again, uh, you know, that's one of the primary uh, roles that, that our blessed mother plays for us as intercessor, you know, the, the idea being, um, you know, in the ancient world, the, 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 the queen mother, the mother of the king was the one that you wanted to go to, to get on your side, to, to ask the king to do something on your behalf because the king mm -hmm. would listen to his mom, you know? And so of course, taking that in a, in a spiritual reality, you know, when we go to our blessed mother and pray for her intercession, she then brings our, our prayers to, to her son, the king, Jesus. And so I think that's a, a beautiful an, uh, analogy as well of, of motherhood that's that's just seen very, very shortly in, in Baru, but it's there for sure. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And then, and then obviously, you know, at the end of Baru's life, she kind of, you know, she, her life is over. Like her life is in a way, I think like sacrificed her whole life just for Luke, just to, just to keep him safe, um, was, you know, living kind of on the down low and making, looking out for him, making sure he was safe because she knew the danger that he could have possibly been in. Um, and ultimately it was that danger that came around and, and took her life instead of his and, uh, you know, as well as, as, um, her husband's to not to, um, not to lessen his sacrifice, yeah. but, you know, I think that kind of, again, that ties into what, what we just learned about George, right? Um, this idea that mom suffered a lot, uh, for us to be able, and especially for George to be able to live, um, is pretty cool. It's very touching, I think. Um, okay. So let's move on to Padme. Padme being, you know, I mean, I think of, again, very strong-willed, a strong-willed mm-hmm. woman, um, someone who is also, I think, was very intentionally portrayed as sort of this, like, strong but fragile flower, you know, um, very, um, her costumes are what everyone remembers Padme for, um, in the movies and, um, but also her ability to stand up and fight for what she believed in. So I just love those two qualities about her. And I love Mm -hmm. knowing that those are connected to George and his mom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's like when you take a step back from the story as is, and really wish to have seen Padme raise her kids, right? Because Luke and Leo would have been such amazing mm-hmm. people if Padme had been there to to guide them. And, and I mean, they came out to being incredible people anyway, right? But uh, just the, the character that she is and the person that she has. My favorite scene, my, my absolute favorite scene from the first uh, three movies is the scene where Darth Maul, uh, the, the door opens, Darth Maul's there. And... Padme and all of her crew are behind the Jedi and she looks at it and she looks at the Jedi and she goes, this is your problem. And just <laughs> walks off. You know, she didn't say anything. She's just like, yeah, we're going this way. You know, and it's like the, the, the decision of a leader to say, this is not my problem. I have other things that I need to take care of and they're just as important. And I'm going to go do that. You've got this. That says everything you need to know about that character right there in that moment. Mm-hmm. And even though she, she has these, obligations and of uh, in in episode one she carried those out if you read the novel for episode two which i would i would highly recommend it because there are scenes in that book that are not in the movie and so some of the scenes in the book it's it's really beautiful it's when anakin and padme go back to naboo and anakin has to protect her there's this whole subplot between padme and her sister and seeing her sister's kids and the play that they have and the relationship that they have. And it's almost a way in which the novel is allowing Padme to mentally go down the road of what it would be like to be a mother. And I think that mm. adds a really beautiful context to the the whole love relationship of Anakin and Padme in episode two, which many have their critiques on. But if you read the novel, it, it sets it up in a, in a much more profound and wholesome or whole way 
Like they didn't just kind of fall in love, but, but Padme in seeing her sister and her sister's kids and, and having that relationship, it, it allowed her to, to open up to that possibility of what it would be like to be married and then to, to have kids mm-hmm. and plays a role in, in that, that love story. And I think the movie is, is lesser because we're, we don't have those scenes. Yeah, that's so cool to to hear. Now I'm like maybe intrigued enough to read it. <laughs> read it um, that's that's context you really need because yeah. it's kind of yeah. it's kind of important to who the character the, is. The movie has to cut things. I I totally get it, but they they cut out. I think probably every scene with Padme's sister and her family, and like there's this mm-hmm. there's the awkward family dinner that Anakin is with Padme and her family. And he's like seen as like the boyfriend, but not really the boyfriend because, you know, they're 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 adamant that they're not dating. And yet Padme's sister is is like giving her crap about, you know, taking this this boy home. And (laughs) and it's it's a lot of fun. But again, it adds so much more context to even Padme Mm -hmm. and her story, her family, you know, having nieces and nephew and nephews. But then also the the struggle that Padme has of the I have an obligation to the Republic as a senator and how do I balance that with the desire to be a mom and to have a family and so Padme ends up going down this road where she she kind of she tries to do both so mm. um yeah well that, that, then that makes sense why she would be interested in Anakin because again Anakin understands where she's coming from and mm-hmm. the, the duality of purpose huh Man, that was that was missing from the movie. And you guys all make fun of me for loving episode two. I tell you, but that was missing from the movie. I just have to say. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think when I look back on that movie, what I really remember about Padme is how often she references her people. Mm-hmm. You know, she talks a lot about my people and her responsibility to her people. And the importance of her people's freedom and um, just on and on. And I think that also is is a very maternal quality, you know, a very um, like a spiritual mother quality to be able again to to really use the person as as one's starting point. Right. For everything. Um, It's not about like. A utility it's not about getting something done like some kind of plan or something it's about the people and their well-being so uh yeah i think that was awesome i mean i love this i love going through all these and, and hearing all these cool um things that i never thought about about these characters um so the other like really kind of central female character in star wars is also a physical mom but she's very much a spiritual mom as well of course, Princess Leia. Now, for me, you know, um, she has a lot of her mom's qualities in being strong-willed. Um, she she doesn't have her son for long, you know, like we, we mentioned, she um, he's raised by someone else. But also, you know, in her role as a general, um, she is very much a mother quality. And, you know, I went back and Last week, I was rewatching The Last Jedi and um, just seeing her as a general in that movie and how much people not only respected her, but also looked to her as that mother leader, um, someone that was more than just the person that they reported to, but someone who really cared for everyone 
and um, you know she that's why she was chewing out Poe right because he was being a hothead and trying to do things a certain way to get the job done and she was like no look at all these people who died because you were selfish um, she was thinking about all the people so those are some of my my thoughts on Princess Leia um, what are your your thoughts on her and and her maternal qualities so I thought a lot about this one and I was I was trying to think of why she ended up being the mother that she ended up being and it's it's an interesting position to be in as looking at this figure that we really love that we really admire and seeing that sometimes the life that you've been dealt no matter how good a person you are you end up making bad decisions because of it and i feel like that's almost what happened with her as we see her having given ben over to someone else to raise because that's the way that things happen with her right and she came out great she came out fine the the experience that she had living under someone else's tutelage was fantastic for her and it developed her into a very uh you know responsible person so she didn't see a problem with it because that was her life and so it was just the natural course of things for her and so rather than stepping into the role of motherhood for ben and being the present mother that she could have been she opted to do this other thing that was just natural to her and it's and I, and I wrestled with that for the longest time because i'm like but it's leia leia would have known better leia would have known better. but the i think one of the beautiful things about characters in star wars is that they're very real and they're very affected by their upbringing and by who they were and what they've had to deal with and so we get a lot of that backstory not in these flashbacks to what happened to them, but in looking at who they are right now and going, oh, that's why they made that decision. Mm -hmm. And I like that with her, we have that backstory, right? Because we, we got it from the original films and now seeing her as an adult, they didn't, she didn't break that cycle that she had been put into. And it's, it's unfortunate from a character's perspective, but it's very interesting from a storytelling perspective that you see that kind of generational continuance of the absence of the parents. That's a real interesting way to look at that. I'd, I'd never quite thought about it quite in those terms. I just uh, sort of, <laughs> sort of accept it and kind of just move on. But, um, but it does, it does make sense, you know, cause that's, that was her, her lived reality. And she, she did have such an ob, an obligation and, and dare I say, a, maybe a, even a moral obligation to help found the new Republic and build this, this new mm -hmm. government, you know, and again, that doesn't excuse, you know, maybe her, her actions of, of letting Ben grow up uh, uh, with Luke rather than her. But, um, you know, but there's a lot of people that, that can relate to that where their, their parents are working so hard that, that, you know, and with good intentions, cause they want to provide for their family, but, you know, being raised by, by a nanny or being, you know, having someone like that, um, it, it makes it, it makes her relatable and it makes even, even Ben's story relatable too. And, and yeah, and I think that's one of the cool things about star Wars is, is it, it, it I, I love the nuance of the characters. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it, it started off kind of black and white episode four, you know, good, good and evil is very clearly defined, but, and, and that's important, especially, you know, as you're, as you're starting to kind of grow and learn and be mature, 
you kind of need that initially, but then we all know that things are not as black and white as, as they seem. So it's, it's good to get into that, that nuance and that gray area and, and try to try to figure out how to live and love, even in the, the hard situations like that. Mm-hmm. When well, I like too that, that it can be, there's still good and evil. There's still clear good and evil yep. in the Jedi, but people can still make bad decisions. Yep. You know, they can be the good guys and still have made bad decisions. And that affects people that, that mm-hmm. it does cause problems and it causes people to become bad that would not have otherwise been and And it's something to keep in mind and and even her as a mom she loves ben until the very end isn't and i'm blanking in rise of skywalker i think there's a moment where her and ben connect like on her deathbed kind of scene i'm i'm blanking on it but there's there's yeah there's there's a couple moments in the last jedi that that happens Mm -hmm. Um, like the first one is when he's trying to um, lead an attack on on Leia's ship, um, yeah. and uh, and and he he goes for it, and he's got his hand on the trigger. If you remember that, yep. and then they have this connection through the Force, and he takes his thumb off of the trigger and mm-hmm. flies away. But then someone else is um, who ends up blowing up the ship or the. Um, the, the bridge the bridge mm-hmm. so yeah so that's that's one part and then there's another part later on where that happens um but you're right there is that moment where she's passing and and he has this realization or something yeah yeah that's i think those are very cool moments because we didn't get those so much between luke and and anakin or Vader. Um, like, you know, where it was very intentional that it's like the, 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 the parent and the child are having this, not just like a force connection, but really like almost telepathy, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like this heart to heart connection. It's not just a Vader moment saying, oh, my son is, you know, Luke, Luke Skywalker is here somewhere, you know, in this vicinity, <laughs> like I can sense that he's here, mm-hmm. but it's more so of, um, an understanding, like a mutual understanding between mother and son that I think was really beautiful that they brought that into the story, um, in the, in the sequel trilogy. Okay. Um, well, I would like to now discuss, um, Harris and Dula, and I know on our podcast we've talked about her a lot. <laughs> I was waiting to see she better come up. <laughs> she better, this better happen. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. Um, so I mean, we know that she's a physical mom, right, Jason? Mm-hmm. But um, but she has so many other children. Like she she's very much a mom, and it's very intentional. Um, in the kind of spiritual sense, right? Um, she's very supportive of them. Um, in my kind of recollection of the character, like she can be firm, but also gentle. She voices how concerned she is about actions that they're taking or, you know, ways that they're kind of going down a certain path. And, um, and she also like wants them to really actively be a part of this mission that they're on and she fully believes in their individual gifts and talents and what they bring to to the crew so i just love that about hera as a mom 
yeah, I, I, I would totally jump in there too. And I mean, I love the, the snark of Hera and, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but, but she's, she's, she's firm. She'll lay down the letter of the law, but she's also compassionate and understanding. And, and I, I, I just loved watching the relationship of the ghost crew throughout the, the whole series of, of rebels, you know, because you've got, uh, Zeb and, and Ezra, the, 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 well, and Chopper too, I guess, if you want to kind of throw him in there too, like the, the, the children. <laughs> and I just, I loved, I loved how they were very stereotypical kind of kids in, in that realm. But Hera was very, very clearly the, the mom, you know, she, she'd lay down the law when she needed to, but she was, she was also supportive and, and yeah, recognized the gifts and talents of, of each each member there and i guess sabine too she's the older sister that's less likely to <laughs> get into trouble with zev and ezra but she's still there too of course and i'll say from from my perspective uh coming from a small family with just me and my brother and having a large family with you know eight kids in our house uh the one of the things that i love seeing in the ghost crew is how hero would pull them up aside for those one-on-ones and she she didn't do it so that it made a big fanfare you know it wasn't like she'd call somebody out and bring she would just quietly find a spot with them and talk and watching my wife do that with our kids is just it's such a powerful Mm -hmm. moment because you know i'm dad and i gotta i i gotta lay down the law so that it sticks for everybody right so i tell the kid right there in front of everyone hey these things need to happen you need to go take care of it come talk with me and we'll we'll deal with it and you know and that's that's my way of doing things not just because i'm a dad but that's my way of doing things right and my wife is that more gentle like finds a moment where they're by themselves and then kind of pulls them off to have a conversation a quiet conversation and and we all know what's going on you know we all we all see it happening because we're in a tiny house but um she she does it in a way that's very encouraging to them and 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 helps them feel better about themselves and then they can come back into the situation and and fix mm-hmm. whatever was wrong uh, but they feel like they've gotten that chance to reconnect. And that's it's so important for kids to have that moment to not feel like they've been singled out, but that they are being heard and they have a chance to voice their opinion and to voice their their side of the problems and mm-hmm. still feel like the person that they're talking to is on their side and not you know there to get them in trouble. One of the other things that I also really appreciate about Hera's kind of roll on the, the the motherhood theme is that she herself isn't isn't perfect either and mm-hmm. she we see it more so with her i think than with the other mothers that we've talked about just because there's there's way more room in the rebel series to explore Hera's character than there was in the movies to explore uh some of the other characters but just like Hera's got to to learn and grow herself even though she is this this mother figure for the ghost crew she herself is not perfect. And so it's beautiful to watch her grow and learn how to be a mother as, as she is in process of being that mother to, to the, the ghost crew. And, and again, making her character relatable, you know, if you, if you're a mom, it doesn't mean that you've got everything figured out and, and everything's, everything's good. You know, often there's, there's many things that she herself is still struggling with and has to grow from and, and watching her character grow and and struggle in that realm is, is, is really edifying for me. Yeah. Great point. Um, I love, you know, you were talking about, um, 
you were talking about, I think, Aunt Beru being an intercessor. Mm. Um, but when it comes to Hera, one of the most loved, I think, story arcs in Rebels is with Sabine and Sabine learning the Darksaber and how much of an interior struggle that was for her that Kanan also was having difficulty training her and not wanting to give her the Darksaber at first and um, Hera really being that intercessor for Sabine and saying, hey, you've got to trust her, you've got to give her more credit and um, and really talking, um, really talking to him as like mom and dad, you know, talk and and being that that mom who really believes in the importance of something for her her kid and really advocating for them. Um, and so that was like more of I think a drawn out opportunity to kind of show those moments, you know, inevitably in every family um, that happen kind of behind the scenes for the kids. But to really um, to see that, uh, you know, from her as a mom was was very powerful and very memorable for, for me, I think. Um, so anything else that we want to I know we've had like, you know, a whole a whole episode on Hera and yeah, and we <laughs> talked to Vanessa, you know, a lot about Hera. Yeah. But, um, I think I think the other thing I like about her is that she's the most active of the moms mm-hmm. that we see. So we get to see her not only being a mother to the the crew, but also being an active part of it. And I I, I can't have this episode go by without mentioning my favorite sci-fi mother, which is um, Sigourney Weaver's character Ripley in the Aliens movies. Uh, and if you've never seen Aliens, the the second one, that is probably the best portrayal of a mother in in the entire history of film and it's because she is she's there to protect this kid like that's her whole mission is to to protect this kid and she will do anything to make sure that this kid makes it off of this planet alive and i i i would like to see more of that in star wars because there's such a tremendous opportunity for the action figure side of motherhood to come out (laughs) and um and we haven't seen that much of it you know a hair is as about as close as we get really to that uh you know that action hero character true yeah very true um you know speaking of different kind of takes on moms i wanted to bring up this character and i didn't know how y'all were going to receive this as like being a mother figure maybe you could say more of a grandmother figure but um, Maz Kanata. Hmm. So I, yeah, I like it. Yeah, like I was thinking about her character, and I was thinking about how you know she was very welcoming. She was very hospitable, right? She she was in charge of the whole place, like, <laughs> and um, and everybody knew her, and she knew everybody, and she knew what they needed and what they wanted, and and what they were like. She was very caring. But she also has this moment, especially with Finn, where she and Ray, where she sees the person like really deeply in their eyes. And and with Ray, she passes on this wisdom, like this guidance about vocation and like deeper things of life that um, that are really, I think, important for Ray's, you know, character arc as a whole, her growth as a person. Um, so I don't know what you guys think about, about Maz as, as a mom. 
I, I would actually, I, I think the grandmother idea fits, but like not, yeah. not your like sit at home and knit your, knit your, knit a, knit a uh, stocking kind of grandma, but the, this would be the action figure grandma. Because even in, in The Last Jedi, isn't the scene where, where they're try where Finn and, um, Rose are trying to connect with her to, to figure out, uh, to go to the casino planet. She's off fighting. She's like, she's yeah. like cal calming them in the middle of a battle as she's, she's engaged in battle. <laughs> so she definitely has that side of her, but, but yeah, I think, I think the wise grandmother role totally mm -hmm. fits, uh, her character. And, and I think you see that very clearly in, in the force awakens and, and, but she, she's fun. She she's she's got yeah. that fun side that is that is really cool too. I actually had a uh a friend group like this when I was in uh, when I was in high school and it was um a a community that was we were all really close and I was driving pretty much by myself down to this church that I had that I was going to especially for all the youth group events and uh this family kind of adopted me into into their house and their house was always open they always had people over like always had people <laughs> over so whenever anything was happening you could count on ending up at their house at some point or another and um and their mom was just so great and she she so many times would pull me aside and like and just say something like really simple to me, but that was very profound also. And it was, and so I definitely feel this in that motherhood, like that, you know, kind of second removed motherhood uh, thing. And it's amazing that mothers can do that kind of thing where they just, they know you need to hear something and they just have the right thing to say. And it's not very high. It's not super philosophical, but it's the right thing at the right time. And they knew that that's where it needed to be. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Oh, I'm so grateful as we're talking, just so grateful now as I think back to like those figures in my life too. Um, okay, so uh, now we have to get to the other types of moms in Star Wars. <laughs> um, can we start off with Captain Phasma? <laughs> <laughs> as a <laughs> as a mom to Finn, I mean, I kind of yeah. think she really yeah. essentially was right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was she was she was his commander, but in but in the stormtrooper world, that would be the equivalent of a of a parental figure. And we know that they were taken from the the um. Yeah, like at least with his generation of first order troopers, like he was taken from his family yep. apparently, and yep. and so that's why I kind of associate her as being his mother figure. Well, and I think that's why we see such a strong reaction even between Finn and and Phasma because he he would have grown up trusting her, following her command, and then when his eyes are opened and he sees how wrong she is he has this very visceral reaction to it. And, mm -hmm. and so they, they, they play that off in, in the multiple movies when they encounter each other and, and you can, you can sense that, that division and yeah, she bad mom figure, I guess I'm, you know, but, but, but from her perspective, she's doing everything that she thinks is absolutely right. So mm -hmm. Finn's the one who, who betrayed her in her mind. Right. And that's where we get back into that, you know, the idea of 
well, maybe she's a good mom, depending on the perspective that you're <laughs> that you're moving from, right? Right. She's, she keeps a very well ordered ship. She wants them to <laughs> yeah. make sure that they take care of themselves. Like one of her one of the first things she does when he comes back is uh, she she recognizes that there's a psychological problem, and she tells him to go and get it taken care of, right? It is and, and that's, yeah. yeah. And 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 that's it, it's it's a very clear like. I care for my soldiers. I see that this one's having a problem. Yep. Go get it taken care of. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a, a mother figure. It's, it's convoluted because of the worldview that she has. But yeah, I, w- I would say that that fits. Yeah. Okay. Well, not to um, hover on that too much. Uh, let's go to another maybe um, character on that sort of side of things um, in Star Wars, and that is Mother Talzin, a figure Ooh. with her uh, with mother in her name. Um, Father, I know you're kind of like you. You haven't watched all of the Clone Wars, right? No. So I mean, I she isn't she. She's Maul's mother, isn't she? She's she's Dathomiri. Yeah, so I yeah she's she's the mother of Asajj Ventress and all of her the Night Sisters. Okay, and then um, all the 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 guys from Dathomir. I forgot, or the guys from there's there's another planet. I'm blanking on the yeah. name. It starts with a Z, I think. But yeah. So yeah, I don't know much about her hardly at all, unfortunately, because I've I haven't seen those particular episodes of Clone Wars yet. Yeah, so um, basically, so the way that I kind of see Mother Talzin, so she's essentially like a shaman, like a really, really powerful magician. Like even, um, it's I think it's said that like Palpatine, maybe in the comics, like he wants to come and um, have her, it, it's thought that she would actually be the apprentice, but it ends up that, she, that he takes Maul instead. Um, to be his apprentice, but um, this idea that she's very powerful and like dark side magic, and she is literally the mother figure for all of the nice sisters, um, and again, like all those guys over there, <laughs> whatever the planet is called. I'm so sorry. Um, is it Sabrek? Yes, yeah, Sabrek. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, but you know what? I think a really cool arc, if you're not familiar with her character, um, a really cool arc to watch is the arc uh, where Asajj Ventress is actually trying to take reve- take her revenge on Palpatine or on um, Darth Tyrannus, and um, the how she interacts with Mother Talzin as her mother, and uh, how Mother Talzin really treats her as a daughter, as someone who deserves like everything in her kind of armory of, of magic to, to bolster her and to get her to a place where she has like so much power that she could possibly even take down, um, the person that she's trying to, to murder essentially. Um, so it's very dark, but it's also like really interesting to watch and, and to see the relationship between mother and daughter. It reminds me of one of those Spartan legends that you hear when you're, you know, when you're going through high school and you hear about it and like the, the mothers would tell their sons, come back bearing your shield or being born upon it. Right. <laughs> it's like that, that power moment of like, okay, this is going to happen. So 
go and make it happen. And, you know, there's, there is something to that where, you know, when, when a mother recognizes that her child is going through a difficulty and she's able to kind of summon up that inner strength to say, this has to be done, do it well. Mm-hmm. And you see that a lot, especially with military mothers who are sending their sons off to boot camp or even to war where they they're strong for them in that sense of I'm not going to cry with you here. I'm not going to to break down so that you see me be weak. I want you to know that I am behind you 100 percent. And yeah, she'll walk away and be be sad. But for right now, there's that strength uh, of face to give the child that space to go off and do something difficult. Yeah. I mean, another mother like that, I think would be Aura Singh, um, Aura mm-hmm. Singh with Boba Fett, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that in, in the Clone Wars also, we see a lot uh, between them um, and how Aura really kind of tries to raise Boba in that sort of light, you know, that sort of take revenge type of attitude and, you know, tries to rile him up and really, you know, have those moments where, where she's being that kind of a mom. Um, so, you know, not the healthiest thing in the world, but, um, mm-hmm. but she's definitely a mother figure, you know? Yeah. Um, and then someone else that I thought about that I would be very interested in your opinions on is the armorer. As a mother figure, I was so I, I was yeah, I was going to bring her up if you weren't going to. <laughs> so I I feel like she's a great one because um, Den she, she's the mother of the coven that they're part of, and yeah. and so she is the mother that Den has known. Uh, as you you get the impression that the foundlings are the responsibility of everyone, not just given a parent so they you know he was trained by all of the different members of the coven and especially she would have been the one that he would have come to for the lore and the history and the the knowledge of who our family is and what we're about and i feel like that's a lot of the way that you know that motherhood works is that it's reminding the children where we come from it's kind of that kind of hearth feel of things you know where we gather around and we speak about uh what we as a family are about and what we stand for and who our who our past is and who you're going to be into the future well and she also she's the one who uh, helps din become who he is essentially the 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 signet is what's coming to mind where the whole first season mm-hmm. there's there's kind of this build up to the mudhorn being his signet and she is the one who crafts it and and places it on his armor for him and that that too is a is a parental role that she's kind of ushering him into adulthood if you if you will in that kind of a sense now i mean to be to go on the other side of things i think she's she's very uh rigid and <laughs> you know isn't yeah. quite maybe as as understanding especially as we see in in the book of boba fett when uh he he had to remove his helmet and for for the right reasons you know and she basically says okay you're 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 excommunicated but offers a way of redemption but there's still mm. this kind of rigidity that i i i find a little bit kind of um 
repulsive is too strong of a word, but, but like, I, I resist that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course that's, that's her character. And so I, it's, it's, it's the Mandalorian culture too. So it's, it's not necessarily like a character fault, but it's not, it's not what I would equate with, with a mother per se either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh, there, I, I, I look forward to seeing more um, from mm-hmm. her and seeing more of that mother side of things, especially now that Din is kind of outside of their covert and he's not, he's not really formally, you know, legally, I guess, associated with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will be very interesting. Um, and, you know, there's so many other like mother figures that we don't have time to really get into. And so I'd love for our, um, our listeners to, you know, write in with, with some of their thoughts on, on all of these people that we've talked about, but also a few others that I had on the list. Um, Vice Admiral Haldo, I think, is a mother figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mon Mothma, a mother Mon figure. Mon definitely, yeah. Um, Luminara and Dooley, if you know her from the Clone Wars, a mother figure. Um, and also Lyra Urso, I think, would probably be my... Oh, yeah. Yeah. my next favorite um, uh, as far as like the top ones that we talked about um, especially if you read the the Catalyst which is the novel that is kind of the prequel to Rogue One you really learn a lot about Lyra Erso and um, her spirituality actually and her real um, intelligence but also her her spiritual kind of belief in the force um, so all kinds of things. Can I to throw one other example out there? Yes, please. From the Legends universe, uh, for those of you who love that that universe, you'd appreciate this one. Mara Jade Skywalker, so Luke's mm-hmm. Luke's wife yeah, would be another kind of uh, action figure mom for sure. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I hope that character doesn't get lost. I hope there's something somewhere for her in the new canon because she was a really neat character well there might be potential in the ahsoka show i i I hope i don't know especially if we get thrawn because she's always been associated with him Mm, because timothy zahn the author created both those characters Mm -hmm. but who knows we'll see yeah i'm gonna throw another one out there the frog lady oh Oh, yes definitely can't forget her great she was really She's cool. A model mother in Star Wars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to many. <laughs> hacks hacks well, the robot to make sure that he she could speak to the Mandalorian luck. <laughs> but then she's also a mother figure to Grogu because she was she was his babysitter for part of that True. episode. So yeah, she's yep. she's a good one too. Awesome. Um, wow. Well, I feel like we've learned so much about Star Wars and also mothers and George Lucas and just everything. Um, so this was really great. I had lots of fun. Um, I would love to also hear from our listeners about what they would like to see in future representations of mothers in Star Wars. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of ground to still cover. Um, and so, yeah, uh, we definitely want to hear from you. Um, we also, a big reason we want to hear from you is because of our annual May the 4th live stream celebration. Um, and so, um, yeah, we're, should, is this like, come, this is coming out. It's like, going to go out afterwards. I, I, yeah, I think <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll, so we'll we are this. glad that we heard from you. <laughs> 
okay. but you know next year we're going to do the same thing yeah. so be thinking of good questions that's the point please give us feedback continuously <laughs> um, so send those to starwars at sqpn.com um, and you can also find us on facebook starquest media um, please continue to share the podcast on social media as well we would like to thank uh, very special people, uh, possibly some of the mothers who made this episode possible, our patrons, um, including Nathan C., Hugh P., Rob P., Julie L., Blair N. You can join them by becoming a patron at sqpn.com slash give. And everyone can definitely help also by leaving a review for the podcast or giving us a good rating that uh, lets us know how we're doing and also helps Secrets of Star Wars get seen by more people who would be interested in listening. So thank you so much for doing that. And finally, if you'd like to represent our family of Secrets of Star Wars, please check out our merch with our design encapsulating our theology or philosophy and possibly theology of finding hope in a galaxy far, far away. Um, you can do so at sqpn.com slash merch. All right. Well, until next time, thank you both for joining me. Father Andrew, thank you for joining Secrets of Star Wars. Absolutely. This was great. And Thomas and Herho, thank you for your wonderful insights. It's been a pleasure. And once again, I am the one in the middle, Angela Ciolana the Bendu. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>